become a nightmare Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must take America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long We need leaders who lead us Not stick us and bleed us Yeah, not stick us and bleed us Welcome, folks, to the uh, Rebel and uh, Renegade Roundtable here on Republic Broadcasting Network on the 11th day of February. And that would be a uh, Alexander Hamilton Stevens, Vice President of the Confederacy's birthday. So happy birthday there, AHS. And uh, tonight we're going to delve into some uh, what may be sensitive to some folks. And uh, I got to tell you, I really don't care if I hurt your feelings. Doesn't bother me at all. <clears throat> as long, pardon me, as long as what I'm hurting your feelings with is the truth. So it really doesn't matter. But I'm joined tonight by some wonderful folks and who are going to help me get through this and uh, calm me down when I get too agitated. And we'll start with the best-looking one of the group. And no, Stephen, that's not you. It would be Murr. So, Murr, oh. how are you? <laughs> Good. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, uh, and just as a little bit of a warning, folks, so we're in the middle of torrential rain here, some terrible thunderstorms, and the rain on my roof makes it sound like I'm in the shower, and, uh, you know, Scorpio told me on his show he thought I was multitasking, uh, so, <laughs> but anyway, Mert, we certainly appreciate you being here with us tonight, oh. it's really a pleasure. Thank you for asking me, this is sure. great. All right. Uh, well, uh, Mr. Stephen Douglas Whitener, and you still haven't gotten your face off of that picture. I just want to see Wendy. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to just. Put, I'm good. I'm going to just have to put Jesse's picture up there instead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and Mom always said I had a face for radio, so there you go. Oh, well, <laughs> and, your, and your Mama wouldn't lie to you, would she, boy? Uh, uh, no. Uh, well, at least we're getting started off on a good uh, note here, and that is always fantastic. And I have to uh, uh, welcome in our friend from out there in California, none other than the Scorpion himself. Scorpio, how are you, buddy? Greetings and salutations. I'm glad to be here with you, Mike, and uh, thanks for coming on my show earlier. And I'm looking forward to our discussion with uh, Murr and Stephen and yourself. So here we go. All right, buddy. Well, here's something. And first of all, folks, let me take care of some housekeeping here. Folks, RBN needs your help to stay active. We need the people to participate. Without the people's help, truth will die. And we can't let that happen. We absolutely cannot let that happen. So I would ask you, please, if any way possible, to support RBN. And, uh, folks, uh, that uh, wonderful quilt that I had got sent off this week, and it's in the hands of the recipient, uh, gentleman who uh, out there in uh, Las Cruces, 
Nevada, um, Las Cruces, New Mexico, pardon me, who uh, donated uh, to RBN and was the winner of the drawing. But, guys, here's something. You know, I lived on the Arizona border for nine years. Uh, and, you know, what we saw on a daily basis at times was incredible, what we would see happening. And I remember coming up in one of the washes out there in the desert one day out riding my horse and I remember coming across a what looked like a trash pile. And I thought I would uh, just take a look and see if someone had lost something or forgotten something. I got down and started going through that garbage. And what did I find? The Koran. Now, that uh, you know, kind of told me something right there. And then, of course, as most people know, I was one of the leaders of the Minuteman Project in 2005 uh, when we uh, set up a uh, two uh, portions, one the Naco line and one the Huachuca line. And we had uh, quite a bit of border actually protected. And uh, even though George W. Bush called us a vigilante group and that we should go home and let the government handle it, and my response to the uh, Border Patrol was, well, uh, the government ain't handling it, so it's time for somebody else. And at that time, guys, I was writing for uh, LouRockwell.com, a libertarian website. And so when I got back in May after that uh, April of 2005, I wrote one article that was published, and then I wrote another article that wasn't published, which puzzled me. But I think it gives us an insight. And I hope you guys will bear with me here. I'm going to read the first article, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. So here is the first one, which was published on May the 10th of 2005. And unlike most of the uh, true American patriots that showed up in Arizona, over a 1,000, to do what our government refuses to do, I was not particularly upset with the comment by George W. Bush that referred to the Minuteman Project volunteers as vigilantes. Considering W's well-documented problems with the English language, I thought it might be possible that old George just did not want anyone on the border who might actually be vigilant. According to our government and the 9-11 Commission, it was the lack of vigilance by a bloated, incompetent $40 billion per year federal bureaucracy that led to the catastrophic events of 9-11. Where exactly would George W. Bush be without 9-11? a milquetoast wannabe dictator without the Patriot Act, Homeland Security, and $4 a gallon gasoline. Vigilance is a lose-lose proposition for his administration. What I found in these courageous volunteers was truly inspiring. An elderly couple who drove their van all the way from Utah to spend some time on the border trying to spot illegals coming into their country. The gentleman had recently lost a leg to cancer but he was totally committed to the task of protecting the America he grew up in, which was slipping away to those in this country illegally. He held many spellbound with his account of crime, lost hospital facilities, and tax money being spent on programs for these lawbreakers. Often these accounts were given to news agencies with tears streaming down a face of character, chiseled by years of experience. One cannot but wonder how much of the film of this vigilante found its way to the editor's floor. Then there was the couple from Southern California. He, a state-certified hospital facilities inspector, 
out of work for over two years because no new hospital facilities were being constructed. In fact, many hospital emergency rooms have been shut down in California because of the financial burden of treating illegal aliens without any compensation. His wife, a most beautiful lady, a naturalized citizen of Philippine descent, told the story of her father joining the United States Navy and saving money for 10 years to be able to bring his family to America legally. This lady is surpassingly proud of her America and all it means to her and so upset with those who cross illegally and make a mockery of the sacrifices of her father. Then there was the young lady who traveled all the way from Massachusetts to sit on the border for two days. She proudly presented her work visa along with her driver's license as identification. She told of taking two and one half years to acquire the legal right to be in America from her home, the former Czechoslovakia. She described her experience of seeking INS advice on how to become a naturalized American citizen and of being advised, well, just go marry some American guy. She was most indignant that thousands daily just walk across a mostly unprotected border while she was forced to go through copious amounts of paperwork and a wait of two and one half years to even do it legally. There was the grandmother from Southern California who brought five of her grandchildren who were in their late teens or early 20s. They left California on a Friday after work and drove to Tombstone, Arizona, where they went through their four-hour orientation and training and then took positions on the Huachuca line through Saturday afternoon and night and then left for home at 6 a.m. on Sunday. Then there was the chief of police from a university in Missouri and his wife who came to the border on their anniversary, even though a grandchild was expected at any time. It was she who spotted 12 illegals dressed all in black with large backpacks coming through a culvert under Highway 92, which is a heavy drug corridor in Arizona, about 2 a.m. one morning. She called the Border Patrol, as directed by the Minuteman SOP, but by the time the Border Patrol found eight of them, Already asleep in a layover area near Hereford Road, four of them, their backpacks, and the contraband inside was already gone. What if those who had escaped were terrorists and the contraband was explosives to be used or poisons to be used against the American citizen? There was the gentleman who heard birds flying out of the brush on the knock line in the early morning hours and called the Border Patrol. 17 bundles of drugs listed by the Border Patrol as other than marijuana and the illegals carrying them into America were apprehended due to this man's vigilance. There was the elderly gentleman from the state of Washington who had driven his motor home a great distance to be a part of protecting his country. This man came to be known to us all as Bill Bill, a moniker that derived from the need to differentiate him from a multitude of volunteers and workers who were also called Bill. Bill Bill came an integral part of the operations of our project. He was the hub of activities at the Palominas Trading Post and was to tell several of us that this was the defining moment of his entire life. Although a successful businessman, he felt he had done very little previously for this country that had provided him with such great opportunities. He was a man of strong emotions, we all grew to love and respect. Then there were the two brothers who drove all the way from Illinois to participate. It was one of them using night vision equipment who spotted a group of 11 illegals crossing in the Huachuca sector. 
Ironically, he was able to detect them because one of the illegals had his own night vision with IR and was scanning the area for the vigilant Minutemen before attempting to cross himself. Kind of hard to believe those who can afford state-of-the-art equipment such as night vision with infrared are actually coming to this country to mow grass or to pick fruit. Then there was the lady from Douglas, Arizona, who came to one of our meetings to bring us copies of a Mexican newspaper that depicted the Minutemen with crosshairs on their heads. All in that meeting were inspired with this lady, who with a strong Hispanic accent said, this is my country, and what these papers are saying is wrong. Then there was the lady and her husband at the Palomino's Trading Post who stopped at our table and thanked us for being there. She told us that for the first time in years, she was able to sleep through the night without illegals crossing her property or banging on the door in the middle of the night. She was in tears when she told us that for the first time, she was able to let her grandchildren play in the yard without having to watch them every minute. Then there were the gallant men and women of the Border Patrol. The boots on the ground, not the butts in the seats. These folks perform most admirably during our duty on the border as they do 24-7-365. They dare to challenge those in administrative positions who could do little more than parrot the positions of George W. Bush and Vicente Fox. They were rapid in their responses to all calls from the volunteers of the Minuteman Project. We were very proud of the statement issued by this courageous public servants in support of the Minutemen and women. And their statement can be found or could be found at one time at their union website, along with many other items of interest. And they, you know, and I put this in there, the entire thing that the Border Patrol said. So I will go ahead and read it to you. Says, we want to make it clear because we've had a lot of questions about this. We have not had one single complaint from a rank and file agent in this sector about the Minutemen. Every report we've received indicates these people are very supportive of the rank-and-file agents. They're courteous. Many of them are retired firefighters, cops, and other professionals, and they're not causing us any problems whatsoever. Reports of them causing ground sensors to go off are exaggerated because most of those are being set off by the ACLU, you know, the Anti-Christian Lawyers Union, sneaking around trying to find the Minutemen doing something wrong. The Minutemen have succeeded in shifting the bulk of the illegal alien traffic out of the NACO corridor. If only President Bush were so supportive of the rank-and-file agents. While President Bush hangs out thousands of miles away in the White House, these people are willing to give up their time and energy to actually do something. While President Bush entices millions of illegal aliens to keep coming with his amnesty proposals and his demoralizing statements, that he doesn't want Border Patrol agents chasing, quote, good-hearted people just coming here to take jobs Americans won't do, unquote. The Minutemen are trying to get our laws actually enforced. The Minutemen have made it very clear that they fully support rank-and-file Border Patrol agents. If only we had such support from the politicians we have to work for. Aren't we really supposed to be working for the citizens of this country anyway? Unquote. That's what the Border Patrol put out about us, folks. And then I finished the article with this. Yes, Mr. President, there were vigilantes on the border. Perhaps someday you and those in Washington may come to understand that. They, not you and your political cohorts, are the real face of America. And that was the end of my article, and I'm in the middle of a heavy rainstorm here again, guys. I apologize for the sound. But uh, 
Mer, what are your thoughts on that article? Uh, that's interesting, Mike. Um, I know I've heard some of it before, but I can just visualize what you were saying, you know, through your words there. And uh, pretty amazing. You know? Well, it it was sitting there and seeing it. And, you know, at some point in time, I remember sitting with a group of other Minutemen in the Palominas Trading Post. And I asked everyone there, I said, guys, we've been here almost a month. Have any of you seen a white person trying to cross this border coming into America? And not one person had. That is why part of the program tonight, folks, is I'm telling you, open borders is a war on the white race. And it is really it is really compounding itself now even more under Biden. But uh, let's not forget the first president to give him amnesty was uh, uh, Red Ronnie Reagan, who was a Republican. And then, of course, uh, George W. Bush didn't want us doing anything. So uh, your thoughts, uh, Stephen? Well, I was wondering what a white person crossing that border would be received as. You know, that is unusual. You don't. You think about the illegal immigration, the illegal migrants coming in, and then they try with, I'm sure that they have flown some Ukrainians in at some point, but they want to block people coming from South Africa who have a literal, uh, a, a legitimate uh, claim to a refugee status, I would think, if they, if, you know, sanity prevailed, but that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. And I just wondered what kind of reception a person would receive if they they say didn't speak english but they were white you know uh, at yes. social services that that would be just interesting i, I just i just don't know how that would because you don't see that much you're, you're right oh that's for sure i don't uh, no one saw a white person try to come across that border the entire month that we were down there uh scorp what are your thoughts sir well, I appreciate the very blunt uh, discussion we're having here, and let's uh, be honest here, the main organi- organizers of anti-white um, agendas are, Jew- it is Jewish power behind it, there's no question, because uh, historically that's been the white race's uh, greatest enemy, to be honest. I mean, if you be honest, look at the, at the history, uh, it's been... Uh, a long time of conflict along those lines. But of course, Jews are white if they want to be, then the next moment they're not if they don't want to be. That's the difference there. Uh, it all depends on what, what uh, cover they want to take at the moment. But the border is wide open. And, you know, uh, as bad as that is, it's really terrible. There's lots of people that come in through other ways, like you've got people coming in that simply overstay their tourist visa. They come in on an airplane and overstay their tourist visa. And then you've got admitted, they admit that they let a million people in per year, uh, plus chain migration from the families. That That is up to 10 people per family. So uh, the amount of people that come in legally or just overstay their visas through airplanes, uh, that's a huge number. Then on top of that, you've got the refugee resettlement program from the United Nations, which is really quite secretive in terms of how many people uh, they are dealing with. I cannot find the numbers of how many people they're letting in per year through this refugee resettlement program. It's very closely guarded. 
you've got this whole network of you know Catholic charities and NGOs and government affiliated um, agencies that actually help settle these people. And I'll just tell you a story I heard from a friend who worked for the County of San Diego uh, along these lines. And she told me that they would make sure the County of San Diego would make sure that the refugee that was being resettled had a full refrigerator of food when they first moved into their apartment. That's a pretty sweet deal. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you that, there, Mike? That that I think we might have lost. Oh, I'm here. No, I'm here. Go, I thought you stepped yeah. in the shower, maybe, Mike. No, I'm in the shower. It sounds like now. I'm sure. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> but the second thing, guys, that got to me was three days later. I wrote another article, even a more comprehensive article, because that first article that I had written, I received all kind of blowback from the libertarians of Lou Rockwell about, oh, well, you know, freedom is freedom. People should be able to cross the border anytime they want to, blah, 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 blah. And so I wrote another article. And, you know, I read part of that article last week. We ran out of time. It's a long article, so I really don't want to bore the people with it, with rereading it. But here's the part I think that most people have been totally unaware of. Now, it's going to take me just a minute or so to go through this, but then I really want you folks' comments on this. It's like many of our politicians, now remember this was written in 2005, many of our politicians, including Congressman Raul Grijalva of Arizona, have sought federal intervention against any private property owners who seek to protect their property from these invaders. His words on the volume. His words on the subject speak volumes. Now, let me remind you: Raul Grijalva was a member of the Communist Party and was proud of it. He didn't hide it from anybody, and yet he kept getting elected to Congress in Arizona. But anyway, here's what he said: An atmosphere exists in southern Arizona that threatens to ignite in a flashpoint of violence. The words and actions of these groups read private property owners, are evidence of an armed racial movement intent on taking the law into their own hands. We cannot allow the complex issues in U.S.-Mexico border policy to be hijacked by individuals who have chosen to break faith with our government and take matters into their own hands, unquote. Well, I stated Again, in my article, in my view, this issue is one of national security more than any other. Our runaway government's reckless foreign policy has created a plethora of enemies who seek our destruction, not just of our government, but of all of the citizens as well. Allowing those who wish to destroy us unfettered access to our property and our lives is ridiculous in this extreme. Our insane policy concerning those who are invading our country and seek to do us harm is most obvious in the following. When narratives of Mexico are natives, I'm sorry, when natives of Mexico are apprehended after crossing illegally into this country, they are fingerprinted, given food and water, medical attention if needed, and then transported back to Mexico. But an illegal from any other country, including those with whom we are at war, even though these wars are illegal and immoral, are taken to a city such as Tucson, where they are processed 
in federal court, given a trial date to appear, and then released. Should it come as a big surprise that less than 5% of these people ever return, ever return to honor their court date? To doubt the millions crossing our border and the millions already here constitute an invasion is absolutely, to not understand it, is baffling. Immigrants migrate for a better way of life while invaders come to dominate and control. One need only listen to the words and the writings of the invaders and their supporters, many of whom are teaching in our institutions of higher learning here in the United States. Now, folks, please realize this was 19 years ago. Okay, here's a quote. California is going to be a Hispanic state, and anyone who doesn't like it should leave. They should go back to Europe. Mario Abledo. Okay, another quote. The border remains a military zone. We remain a hunted people. Now, you think you have a destiny to fulfill in the land that historically has been ours for 40,000 years. And we're a new mestizo nation. And they want us to discuss civil rights? Civil rights? What law made by white men to oppress all of us of color, female and male? This is our homeland. We cannot, we will not, and we must not be made illegal in our own homeland. We are not immigrants that came from another country to another country. We are migrants, free to travel the length and breadth of the Americas because we belong here. We are millions. We just have to survive. We have an aging white America. They are not making babies. They are dying. It's a matter of time. The explosion is in our population, unquote. Now, this author was Jose Angel Gutierrez, professor and attorney at the University of Texas in Arlington. For your next quote, the ultimate ideology is the liberation of Azatlan. Communism would be closest to our preferred government. Once Azatlan is established, ethnic cleansing would commence. Non-Chicanos would have to be expelled. Opposition groups would be quashed because you have to keep power. This came from Miguel Perez of Cal State Northridge. Okay, another quote. As an academic mission, I'm proposing it, El Norte, as a thesis. But I'm also an advocate of the idea. I myself through the way I teach my classes and to the students I help form in the classroom, that's my activism. The main incentive would be so people of the same culture, language, and identity could develop their own nation state under a principle of self-determination. Now, this came from Chicano Studies professor Charles Trujillo at the University of New Mexico who advocates that California, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, and Arizona should secede from the United States in order to form the Chicano Republic of El Norte. Now, Professor Trujillo was a self-described disciple of Chicano Marxist terrorist Raiz Lopez Tijarina. Tijarina and his terrorist group have been advocating retaking the Southwest since the mid-1960s. In June of 1967, Tijarina led his gang in an assault on the courthouse in Tierra Amarilla, New Mexico. During the attack, 
He proved that his violence was non-discriminatory. They shot fellow Mexican-American jailer Julio Salazar in the face, pistol-whipped fellow Mexican-American undersheriff Dan Rivera, and killed fellow Mexican-American deputy sheriff Nakina Saizan. Professor Trujillo claims that the new nation of El Norte should be established by any means necessary. Now for another one for you, another quote. These are the critical years for us as a Latino community. We are in a state of transition, and that transformation is called the browning of America. Latinos are now becoming the majority because I know that time and history is on the side of the Chicano Latina community. Oh, here comes the music. We'll be back on the other side, guys. I'll save my place. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the Internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. 
It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. Folks, thank God for the renegades. And also, while you're thanking God for the renegades, thank God for RBN. Do what you can to support this platform because you're not going to hear this anywhere else, I do not believe. Uh, but uh, now let me jump back to and let me uh, preface this by saying this article that I'm reading from now, uh, it would, they, uh, the wonderful libertarian site would not publish it. They refused to publish this one. And let me tell you, the other thing was, is the wonderful Professor Trujillo at the University of New Mexico, actually, when I did get this article published on another venue, Professor Trujillo called the FBI and reported me and said that I was making him feel threatened with my writing, just so you will see. Now, here's a little bit more about Mr. or Professor Trujillo. And here's what he said, other than, you know, we should establish our country by any means necessary. While he was preaching to his uh, students, he said the, this, these are the critical years for us as a Latino community. We are in a state of transition, and that transformation is called the browning of America. Latinos are now becoming the majority. Because I know that time and history is on the side of this Chicano Latino community. It is changing in the future and in the present, the balance of power of this nation. It's a game. It's a game of power. Who controls it? You students are like the generals that command armies. We are in a state of war. What this means is a transition of power. It means control. Wow. 
And uh, a similar statement came from uh, the professor of ethnic studies at the University of California, Riverside. At the time, his name was Armando Navarro. Well, are the above that I just read you, are those the words of a people who only are looking for an economic opportunity? While I am in complete agreement with many that the state will only use this issue to pass more oppressive legislation against its own citizens, I hardly see how allowing the free flow of immigrants who are determined to colonize the United States will ever stop this oppression. If the ignorant among us show an unwillingness to buckle to the desires of this government, there will always be another new Pearl Harbor. And then to finish the article, I was asked on two separate occasions this week to be a guest on talk radio out of Mexico City. This was still 2005, folks. During my appearance, I asked the host if he locked the doors of his home at night and when he went away. He finally, after repeating the question until I kept repeating it until he answered, he said, yes, I do. When I asked him why, he said to keep unwanted people out of his home people who might steal his property or harm his family. My next question to him was, why should we not control our borders for the same reason you lock your doors? Uh, Mert, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's just common sense, but of course we're not allowed to have that anymore. We're supposed to just bend over and, and say, you And know. take it? <laughs> yeah, how 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 many more lashes, Master? You know. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I was certainly surprised that uh, suddenly the Libertarian website didn't want to pass that. But then later, when I had a couple of other articles rejected, I asked a fellow writer, and I'm not going to mention their name, but I asked them. They were writing and are still associated with uh, the organization, the Libertarian Party, and. She told me, she said, Mike, you have to understand that major contributions to keep this organization going come from Jewish donors. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, just imagine that. Your thoughts, Stephen? Always some Judas with a money tree, I guess. I don't yep. know. I, I was thinking that's 20 years ago. And they've been preaching that gospel for 20 years. And I was just this afternoon, I heard this Butler County Sheriff, I don't remember his name, come back. He had returned from some conference and the FBI, it was a National Association of Sheriffs. Apparently, there are about 3,300 sheriffs in the U.S. And this guy was given a news conference and he was repeating the things that the FBI had been telling him just recently. That phrase you said, there'll always be a new Pearl Harbor struck, reminded me of that because this guy said they were telling him that we are going to be attacked anytime now, again, just like 9-11. And he just uh, kept referencing 9-11, but the way he talked about it, it's almost like he was referring to this more recent thing that happened in Israel that October thing, October 7th mm -hmm. for them. But but he kept referring to 9-11 and how we are being invaded from the southern border and that Biden had refused to meet with them, but that either Mayorkas or the FBI at least had. And they were warning all these people about these things <clears throat> that had happened that 
the feds are not not only not coming. I was thinking not only are they not coming, they're welding the gates open down there so these people can come in. You know, they're doing that too. This sheriff, on one level, he seemed to be kind of clueless to me about some things, but on another, it was ominous for me to hear what he had to say that the FBI was telling him that they were really ramping him up and wanted everybody on a local level to be aware that help ain't coming. There's something big going to happen, and we ain't going to be there for a while. Y'all are going to be on your own. And he kept talking about drones, too. That he kept, uh, they were trying to get the locals, were trying to get some drone technology from the feds, uh, because, but they wouldn't share it with them. This is in Ohio, Butler County. I, I, I would have to, I'll have to get the name of the, uh, 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 in fact, I have that, that video here I can post in our chat. Let me toss it back to you. But didn't he say also that the uh, president also refused to meet with the national chiefs of police as well? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He did. Yes. Yes, sir. That's correct. Folks, I don't know before we jump to uh, Scorpio here to get his comments, but I tell you, I don't know how much more evidence you need that this government hates you and it hates you even more if you happen to be white. And there is a program, there is a process, and they intend to, uh, you know, I thought of this uh, as James Madison said about the states in his letter to George Washington. We should only keep the states where they might be subordinately useful. Well, folks, just put white race in place of states. They will only keep and allow to exist the white people who bend and scrape and kiss their butts. Scorpio, your your thoughts? Well, uh, Mike, this is a really good discussion because, uh, you know, there's so many different layers of the onion that we can look at here. And there's certainly a racial and cultural reason for this uh, replacement level immigration to be happening. But there's also an economic reason and, you know, it's important to remember that part of the agenda is to keep the value of labor low. That's another direct um, result of what's going on. And so as long as you keep bringing new people into the system that are willing to do anything just to survive, obviously it's going to break down or lower the value of labor. And it's also to stop the ability of any kind of force of labor to say, hey, we're not going to work for these wages anymore. And um, so I, I think there's many different aspects of this, but uh, money is always part of, mammon is always part of the agenda. Uh, that's their God after all. Well, thanks, Dave. A very appropriate response there. And, you know, people, uh, please understand, we had this almost 20 years ago. 19, 19, almost 19, uh, April will be the 19th year that we had this, and we had over a 1,000 people show up to try to protect the borders. And then, uh, you know, the uh, there was awful lot of donations came in. We were told at one time, uh, one lady that was working in the office, a wonderful lady named uh, Barb McCutcheon uh, from uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, she was working in the office helping there, and she told us that on several days, the call-in donations for the people who said, we can't be there, but we want to help, that the call-in donations amounted to sometimes ten grand a day. of the pe- This is how much, and you know, if you bring Sean Hannity to the border, 
in his studio, his mobile mobile studio, to do a program from the border, somebody woke somebody up. Or he why why would he come to do a program from the border? The government didn't think this thing would take off like it did. We had correspondents, journalists from all over the world there, interviewing and doing, uh, d- taking pictures and writing articles about Americans trying to defend their own border. Now, this was 20 years ago. Also, we have to know that all of these professors that I just read their direct quotes had been teaching this for who knows how long. We have uh, taken a whole segment of our country and dumbed them down and made them believe because, you know, I think it was 2008 or 2009, several years after this, I gave a program in Winslow, Arizona, standing on the corner in Winslow, yeah, that place, uh, and I gave a program to a group of libertarians, and even when I read them, these direct quotes from the coll- from these college professors they they just said, well, you know, they they can do what they want to. It's a free country. They can uh, teach what they want to, and uh, you know, and they were upset at me that I went to the border to try to protect it. And that is your wonderful libertarian mindset in this country, which uh, you know I got away from as quickly as I could, and then I was told that uh, my articles would no longer be published because. I was, uh, my writing was a clarion call for civil disobedience in America. Well, I've got the e- email. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, Mike, I have a question. Um, wouldn't you say that there's large factions within libertarianism that are essentially open border? They believe that open borders are part of freedom. Yes, they told me that. But see, the thing of it was is that article that I read them, and I wanted to use that, and that's why I included it in the article. There is a libertarian professor named Hans Hermann Hoppe who actually wrote that you cannot have open borders when you have a welfare state. It will destroy you. And so I used the writings of their own guy, and they still rejected it. <laughs> Interesting. So. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting as well. So, Mur, give us your thoughts there, young lady. Well, it, like I said, common sense, but they don't believe in that. And right away, if you're a pale face, you know, you might as well just not show up around the place. <laughs> you know, you uh, you have no entitlement, uh, even though, of course, you do. You know, that's... Um, pretty amazing and what happened to that 10 grand a day did that just disappear well i was going to finish with that story we were told of course you know about 10 or 12 days into this thing i remember us having a meeting uh those of us who were in leadership at the uh you know there was a bible church there and uh, several people were actually staying at this uh, bible church and because here's the other thing folks that uh Bible church that was there that allowed uh, Minutemen to stay there after we left the government shut them down so uh, that should tell people a little bit about how much the government cares about the border uh, and so they were punished for actually the Bible college uh, it was a, and that's where we uh, a lot of people stayed that's where we had our daily meetings and of course you know they shut them down 
and uh, you know some kind of tax structure thing. I forgot what it was, but uh, we were told we took the leaders, the two leaders, uh, Jim Gilchrist and uh, Chris Simcox, and uh, we told them at that time, this money that's coming in, you need to find yourselves, gentlemen. We need to find a very good authority to come in here and take over the accounting procedures. And so that we can stay squeaky clean because the government is going to come after us big time because we know that what we're doing is just totally opposed by the federal government. So let's keep ourselves squeaky clean. But both of them refused. And later we were told, a few months later, we were told that in fact there had been over $3 million collected. And where did it go? We couldn't even get the IRS to do an audit on these folks. What does that tell you? Because they had actually come back from a meeting in Washington where they had met with all of these wonderful Republicans, Alan Keyes and uh, some kind of organization that he had. And then we found out that they turned the management over to the Republicans to run and, you know, those wonderful Republicans. Uh, and so, anyway, the money disappeared or was, you know, spent very... I know that uh, the gentleman, uh, Mr. Chris Simcox, they told him they were going to run him for Senate in Arizona, which they did. They ran him against John McCain. I think he got four votes. And, uh, wow, we got noise coming here from somewhere and it doesn't sound like my shower uh, <laughs> anyway but uh, the money uh, was used one of the things that troubled me is later on uh, some, of the, some of the people we had another meeting there in June and I became very upset with what they were doing and they uh, because some of the people who were in leadership had said well we're going on a tour we're going to make speeches here there and everywhere else about this and one of them sent me back an email and said, well, you should probably join us as quickly as you can, man. This is great. We're staying in five-star hotels, and we are having steak for breakfast. And I said, on whose money? And I very quickly was uh, left out of that conversation. But uh, that is one of the points. But, uh, Murr, are you with us? Is that uh, the noise coming from you? Lady? Uh, I think I'm here. I, I was muted, but I got booted off, and then I was back again. But the my little rectangle looks dark now. It's not the color it was. So I, you can hear me, though? Yeah, we can hear you. Yes, ma'am. Okay, There's well, a little bit of background moving. noise, but that's okay. I don't know where it's coming from. I'll, I'll stay muted unless called upon. <laughs> All right, young lady. Thank you for your... Uh, uh, Stephen, uh, your thoughts, sir. Yeah, that's that Steve Miller band song from the 70s, Take the Money and Run. That's, that sounds like what they did. And anytime you generate public interest, it's going to always generate some funds for these people. I mean, isn't that how the SPLC got started with Morris D's and Potok getting a mailing list? I mean, sometimes this stuff kind of disgusts me a little bit when, <laughs> when I think about it. It's always that way. People have good intentions and somebody has got to come along and pervert it to their own ends it it it, it, it can be infuriating but i do believe now we're 20 years later that a lot of people are realizing how 
this government is just it's just a joke now okay just we've reached this point where what you were talking what they were talking about doing 20 years ago they're about ready to do those those revolutionaries that want to break away And, and this border has been open for that long and especially since biden's been there it's been flooded the gates have been welded open and then they're drawing them here, like you said, with the welfare state and all of these NGOs and stuff, printing the maps and pre-printing debit cards with our money on it, basically, the you know U.S.-funded money on these debit cards. And, of course, they have to pay the cartel off. The cartel will kill them if they cross without paying them off or they're in indentured servant or something. You know, the cartel gets more and more powerful. But the federal government and, and by – uh, you know, extension, the dollar and this country gets weaker and more and more of a joke as, every day. It, and I think we're getting to a point now where something is about to happen. They did that, uh, you know, I don't know, that might think, make things go a lot more rapidly than it had been going. Well, I can't disagree with that one iota. And the one thing, and we've talked about this before, guys. You know, that one thing, I see a replay of 1848 to 1860 coming, and they've had more than 1848 to 1860 just from my uh, 2005 experience. They've had plenty of time to set up for this, and I still say with Dick Durbin, you know, we listen to these sheriffs. you got to try to put these things together. They're a piece of a puzzle. And then we've got Dick Durbin from Illinois standing up to the Senate and saying, look, we need to get as many of these immigrants into military uniforms as we can. Our recruitment is way down, and we need to get these people and give them a right to earn their own citizenship. Well, folks, ironically, that was exactly the same thing that Lincoln's supporters told the 538,000 immigrants that fought against the South. And so it's then a few days later, the wonderful uh, Mr. Mark Levin comes out and says, uh, you know, uh, well, uh, we need to take this country back to the principles of Abraham Lincoln and get these immigrants into uniform." And that's what I've said, and I totally believe this, folks. The time is coming that we will see people in our own military uniforms marching down the streets of America after some event happens and they declare martial law, just like Lincoln did. We will have people in uniform marching down our streets with guns that you're not permitted to own, and many of them won't even be able to speak English. So... If you don't think that's true, I hope I don't live long enough to see it, but it's coming. Your thoughts, uh, Scorp? Oh, I I think that's very accurate. And um, it's interesting how you've got the idea of of putting illegal aliens into military service. Uh, That is quite shocking. But, of course, um, you know, I'll, I'll take it back to the economic level again and... America's economy right now, if you really look at it, honestly, is essentially a Ponzi scheme. And to keep any Ponzi scheme going, you have to keep adding people in at the very bottom of the pyramid. That's how you keep the the money flowing towards the top. So that's another reason why they're doing this is that we have a Ponzi scheme economy 
and they need new bodies to um, fill the numbers, fill the beds, keep everything uh, up and moving fast. And that, that's another element of what's going on beyond everything else. Uh, big time. Uh, I see, Murr, you got your color back. Uh, are you? Uh, can you hear us okay? Yeah, yeah. I think what happened when it booted me off, I came back with the camera, and I don't know how, but I figured to get it off. So I think we should change the name from Ponzi to Madoff, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent like idea. That. A Madoff <laughs> scheme, yes, instead of a Ponzi yeah. scheme. That sounds uh, very appropriate, Murr. Uh, and well, Mert, uh, you live a little bit uh, north of most of us, and uh, how? Uh, what are you seeing in your area as far as these immigrants? Well, it's pretty wild here, and so they don't come here. But not that far from here is where all the Afghani's went near Fort McCoy in Sparta, and I'm sure they've spread out from there. They were allowed to wear their turbans again and go. F- but I fully expected them to be National Guardsmen, <laughs> you know. Oh, wow. Well, you know, yeah. what, uh, if I may, I'm sorry, Murr, go ahead. No, I'm finished. Okay. The one thing that I remember very distinctly, if you folks uh, who remember Oklahoma City, do you remember who George, uh, uh, was it George H.W. Bush who brought in all of those Republican Guard from Iraq and put them into Oklahoma City before the Oklahoma City bombing. And, of course, you know, they say, well, they didn't have anything to do with it. But they brought Republican Guard actual members from Iraq from the first war there. Ah, here we go. Be back on the other side, folks. Bullshit pay so I can sit out here and waste my life away Drag back home and drown my troubles away It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to For people like me, people like you Wish I could just wake up and it not be true But it is, oh it is, living in the Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to heat And the whole beast Corporate media dominates the American opinion Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche Is becoming increasingly difficult With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government Independent voices are needed more than ever To battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties As a listener of RBN No one understands this concept better than you Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? 
Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Truth, truth, truth.